Hey, Pastor Scott Rambo here. Join us as we enter into our classroom for this episode and see what it truly means to be followers of Christ. All right, if you have your Bibles tonight, let's turn to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5, doing a study on what the Bible has to say about salt and how that pertains to us spiritually as Christians. The Bible has a lot to say about salt, actually. has has like a lot, a lot to say about salt. Most of it is like what we would say about salt. Like it tastes good, it adds to food. But there is spiritual benefits to it. We're going to look at... Uh, Four, I believe, four different ways that that the Bible talks about salt, uh, all coming off of verse 13 in Christ's message to us on the Sermon on the Mount. So Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 13 and we're going to finish out the chapter because I like the context. Verse 13 reads like this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of, uh, by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Verse 16. Keep that in your mind. We'll read it again. Let your light so shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. So before we get any further than this, should we be showing good works to the world? Yes, absolutely. That's what Christ is talking about. He starts off with salt. He, he adds to it with light, but it's talking about the same thing. He uses two of the most common things that we have on this earth, light and salt, right, to describe what a Christian is supposed to be. Verse 17, do not, let, uh, do not think that I come to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish the law, but fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until it is accomplished whoever then annuls one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven but whoever keeps and teaches them excuse me he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven and verse 20 for i say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the pharisees you will not enter the kingdom of heaven So verse 16, really verse 13, verse 16, verse 20. That is our context for for tonight. So verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Verse 16, let your light so shine before men. Uh in such a way that they will see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And verse 20, For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will 
not enter the kingdom of heaven. So this is what separates us from the rest of the world, whether that be a, a, a person in living in hypocrisy who is in the church but not of the church, or that true unbeliever who just lives their life as an unbeliever. A true believer has good works that shows forth. It's not the works that saves that person, but it's the salvation that produces the good works, right? Uh, and that's the biggest difference, and Christ here is trying to say to us that a true believer, their faith and their works is going to surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees because we know the Pharisees, they had all the doctrine in the world. The scribes literally wrote the law like they interpreted the law, but yet history tells us and, and the Bible even tells us in, in the parable of the Good Samaritan that all the knowledge in the world, they did absolutely nothing to show the world the love of God. They would boast in their own writings throughout history that the, the common folk or the, or the Gentiles or anybody really that wasn't a Pharisee uh, or a scribe, they, what, they wouldn't even stop and give them the time of the day to teach them the law. What good, were they, what good were they doing, right? So Christ tells us that we're supposed to be like salt. Salt does one thing very, very good. It changes things. You put salt on a piece of meat, the meat tastes better. You put salt on a piece of meat or a piece of fish, guess what? You can keep that meat a little bit longer, right? Salt does a lot of things. Too much salt destroys things. We'll get into that. Uh, too little salt does nothing right? We need to be salt, not added to or taken away, but salt. We need to be light. When you flip a light on, a light does one thing. It lights up, right? It doesn't say, well, I'm only going to light up so much today, and, and I'll light up a little bit more tomorrow, maybe to compensate. or No, it just lights the room, right? It lights the room. It runs the darkness away. So in the 1930s, Dr. Robert McClant's of Cambridge University Department of Experimental Medicine. Now that's a title right there. Could you imagine his name tag? Pretty good one. He got four volunteers to go 10 days without salt. Okay, they wanted to know what was the effects of salt on the human body. First, he had them sweat out all their salt. Now you can imagine how they had to do that in the 30s. They did a lot of running, I'd imagine. Sweat out all the salt in their bodies. Then he literally desalutated everything that they consumed. They had zero salt. They, they lost all the salt in their bodies, and then they had zero salt. Then the test began. They reported very quickly a complete loss of taste. Then fatigue set in, and they became too tired to even eat. Signs of hyponatremia started to show which basically means that their blood cells started swelling because there was not enough salt in their blood to regulate how much water a cell would consume, okay? Left untreated, that uh, condition, it can result in seizures, coma, and death. At the end of the trial, participants were given salty foods and, and literally within minutes, they reported being able to taste again, go figure. Right? You go from bland things to salty foods. I'm sure it was probably too much salt. Their energy came back. They, they began to show immediate improvements. Right, and That's just 10 days without salt. 
10 days without salt. Imagine a world without salt. We, this human body literally wouldn't exist, right? Civilizations have, have risen and fell over salt. Wars, bloodshed, you name it, it's all been over salt. And that's the mineral that we have the most of in this world is salt. We run, ever run out of salt on the land, we just siphon it out of the ocean. We, we've got salt for days, and yet it's one of the most important things that literally keeps us alive. Everything that we touch has salt in it. That plastic that you're, that's holding up your elbows, guess what? Has salt in it. Everything has salt in it. Isn't that crazy? The soap that we used to make for Procter & Gamble, I can't tell you because Procter & Gamble police will come and get me. But guess what? There's sodium chloride in there. It's in everything that we do. <clears throat> it's very important. So Christ use, uses it because, guess what? Our Christian life is, is very important. It's very important how we live our life. Few, very few things in creation is, is more ordinary than salt, but yet it, it's so needed for survival. Uh, most of us have interacted with it in the last hour or two. Whether we realize it or not, uh, we make leather with or leather with it, pottery, soap, detergents, rubber, clothes, paper, cleaning products, glass, plastics, pharmaceuticals. It sits largely on every cafe and restaurant table in the world. Uh, it's also featured. I thought this was cool as a Rolling Stones song. Okay, uh, a D.H. Lawrence poem. Uh, and it's, uh, it's used for deodorants, water softeners, and even processes in making certain wines. Salt is literally everywhere, and we do need it to survive. If we walked out of this room today and there was no salt, you better get right with Jesus because we're not going to live very long. We, we wouldn't have anything to drive, anything to wear. We would smell bad like... We're not going to be okay, okay? All of your little feel-me-good pills that, that keep your blood pressure down and, and all this stuff, we're not going to feel very good, okay? Salt is everywhere. It's the ordinary availability and its use in all cultures that, that makes it an obvious candidate for Jesus to, to talk about. Salt was even more important to them in, in olden days as it is today, and it's still very much important for us today. Uh, Jesus loved, listen, he loved using everyday items to communicate. When he was around farmers, he talked about farming. When he was around herders, herdsmen, he talked about sheep and, and herding. He, he used the common tongue to communicate heavenly mysteries every day. We, we do the same thing today. If, if we was to stand on the corner of a street and start talking straight, straight theology to people, a lot of what we talk about would go straight over people's heads. They wouldn't even know if we was talking about God or not. But yet, in our daily lives, just being amongst the world, living out your life as a Christian, being the salt that Jesus is talking about, that seasons everything we we do is seasoned with that spiritual salt that whenever I work, I work as unto the Lord, right? Whenever I communicate, I communicate as if God's listening because he is. Everything that I do is done unto the Lord, then everything that I do is seasoned 
with spirituality, right? We're, we're spiritual beings. That's how we're supposed to live. And you wouldn't want to eat a steak without salt, right? You wouldn't want to make up some really, some really good, hot, fresh french fries and then just eat the things, right? You, just as much as I want to add salt daily to my life to the point where I got to take medicine because I do it, right? We should be the same way spiritually that everything that we do is better, right? It's better. Not that I'm, I'm better or I'm more prideful, but everything that I do is made better because of the spirit that's within me, the spirit that's living out. <clears throat> Salt's mentioned, uh, it's mentioned 45 times throughout the Old Testament and New Testament, various different ways, various different uses, uh, from the most common use to the most spiritual use. But salt is mentioned all the way through the Bible through the Bible. That's why sometimes it can be kind of confusing when you do word studies, right? You do a word study on salt and it brings up 45 different passages in the Bible and then you just start bringing out those passages and then this passage may sound like it's trying to conflict with this passage and, and stuff. You have to really look at the, the, that's why Strong's is so important, right? Because even when you go into a Strong's, our Bible may say salt or saltiness or savor or, or, or whatever that word means, but it could be a different number code, right? It could be a totally different word. But 45 times salt is mentioned in the Bible, and uh, several of those times, mostly in the New Testament, we will do some Old Testament, it, it does pertain to us spiritually, spiritually, right? And that's what we're worried about tonight is what is the Bible trying to tell us spiritually at how we're supposed to interact and looking back at those three verses verse 13 16 and 20 we know that we are supposed to be a person that emulates Christ not just talks about Jesus but someone who if I never open my mouth and we should I'm not saying don't open your mouth but if I never get the opportunity to speak to you can you look at me and see fruits me to repentance can you look at my life and say that man's a Christian because of the way he lives his life. It, it's really that it's really that important. <clears throat> Followers of Jesus are like salt. That's what the verse said. We're supposed to be like salt. You are the salt of the earth. That's what he says. Although we're ordinary, hate to break it to you, none of us are real special, right? We all come from different backgrounds. We all come from different places, different lineages, different, but we're ordinary. We're just people. We're just folk, folk right? Uh, we're ordinary, and we're everywhere. Something we need to understand, too, it's not just the 40 people we have at, at Abundant Greg's Church. There's Christians across this world, right? And as long as we have the spirit that they have, which we should have the spirit of God, then we're salt. It doesn't matter what we look like, what we sound like. We all taste the same, if you want to put it that way, because we're salt, right? It's the same spirit. There's not a Chinese spirit or an American spirit or a Mexican spirit or a Venezuelan spirit. It's the spirit of God, period, period. We're all made in his likeness. We're all made in his image, amen? Which is cool, because I don't have to go looking for my own, my own spirit. How how crazy would that be if you like pray through to the spirit and then you, you receive the Mexican spirit? 
right? It just doesn't, it just doesn't happen like that. We receive the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God. So four different things that I want to draw out that the Bible speaks to uh, is, is this, is that we're ordinary, we're everywhere. We get involved with pretty much everything, right? We all have a different job. We all have a different set of friends, although sometimes our circle kind of intermingles. I, I know people that y'all don't. You know people that I don't. Uh, we're, we're literally everywhere. Uh, most of the time we don't get noticed, and that's a, that's a sad thing. That's something we should pray for, really. Uh, a lot of times we go into the shadows when we should be living boldly before this world. Uh, every one of us can do a little bit better with that, I, I, even me, even me. You say, well, that's, yeah, it should be easy. It should be easy. You, you work with all Christians, right? You're right, it should be easy, but I still find myself lacking and slacking because I'll fall in that mentality at work. Well, they're all Christians. It's fine. No, we should be talking about Jesus. and We should be talking about the things of God, right? Yeah, we should be talking about the water and we should be talking about our job and stuff, but there's always opportunity to edify the brethren, especially when they come, when we go, me and Brother Ronnie work together and we go to the same church, but we work with two other gentlemen who go to two different churches, right? And we should be edifying and building up the brethren, not just us. We find that too sometimes, not that we do this, but uh, it's easier for me to talk to Brother Ronnie than it is to talk to somebody else because we do go to the same church, right? But maybe we should try and be the same to everybody all the time, right? The thing about Christianity that I find that was so intriguing to me, Brother Gene, is that whenever I did see a true Christian, they were consistent, right? Every time I seen them. And we all have shortcomings. We all have times of shortness, right? But the overarching tale of their life was they were consistent, right? They're consistent. In this world that ever changes, consistency shines forth. It, it does. If one of these lights suddenly become inconsistent with the other ones, we would notice that, right? Because they're supposed to be consistent. This is supposed to be a series of lights. Like in a church, when we're consistent, we kind of blend together. But in the world, Right? If all of these lights were inconsistent, but one wasn't, you would be drawn to the one that was consistent, right? We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be different. So in this world of ever-changing doctrines and, and, and to and fro, this is right, that's wrong, this is wrong, that's right, all of this, when the world sees the church and they're consistent on biblical views, and that's just what it is. We don't care what day it is. We don't care what time it is. We don't care what year it is. The Bible's right that piques interest. It really does. And then when they come and they do like the, the, what the Bible says and they taste and they see that God is good, right? It's good stuff. It really is. So the first one's flavoring. All right, if you're keeping notes, I titled this one Salty Christians. <laughs> Salty Christians. I told Brother Ronnie, make sure he showed up. Because that may not mean the same thing we think it means. 
We're not supposed to be salty. Could I add just a little something? Yes, sir. What you was talking about a while ago, like, you know, to the world, we can be salt, you know, and it's a seasoning, so to speak. Yeah. And you were talking about, like, the people you work with, most of them is Christians. But salt is also a preservative. Mm -hmm. So your actions helps preserve those that... Oh, absolutely. You're working with, absolutely. See, even though they are Christian, but yeah. that... It's an edification and yeah. an accountability. Yeah. It's an accountability. It really is. And we're, that's point number two. We're getting there. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. First one's flavoring, though. It's, it's right here in black and white. Here, y'all want to write them down? This is it. Flavoring, preserving, sacrificing, destroying or judgment, fertilizing. That's, that's the five. That's the five. Fertilizing. Yeah. So just so going forward, just so you know, those were the five points already. Okay. So flavoring. Salt makes food taste better. Oh, it just does. It just does, right? Either by adding flavor to something that would otherwise be bland, by enhancing flavors that are already there, or, or by providing a contrast that uh, for a different sort of taste. You think of adding salt to uh, oranges, right? Or salt to watermelon. That, 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 that sweet and salty. That's what, we, that's what we crave. That's what we need. Even if you like eat some, eat some chips, you want something sweet to go behind it, right? You want the, the sweet and salty because it's that contrast. Uh, salt makes everything better. It just does. And uh, if you say otherwise, you don't have a tongue. Salt makes things taste better, right? Um, this is probably the, the use of salt that most people think of if you've been in any kind of service where, where you read Matthew 5 and 13. This is basically like point number one. We're supposed to flavor the world, right? We're supposed to make things, make the things of God look compelling, look good, right? Whenever they speak to us as Christians, we're supposed to speak in love, and that's a contrast to the world, and to make the things of God sound good to those who are seeking, right? To those who are searching. <clears throat> Some of the things you've heard, this is like the, the thing we talk about with saltiness, because everybody knows what salt is, right? That's, there's a lot of different uses for salt. You may have didn't know it was used to make this table, but you know it was used to make them french fries taste good, right? Like salt is good. Uh, <clears throat> it's, it's a powerful illustration, it really is, of the way a Christian uh, were to serve the world, right? Salt serves a purpose. Salt enhances, and we're supposed to be the servant of, of the church, yes, but of this world as well. None of us was saved until some, well, I'm not going to say until, but somebody poured into you. Right, which led to, to you and your salvation. Right, somebody witnessed to you along the way. You heard a message somewhere. Some grandma, some mama, some daddy. Somebody prayed for you. Somebody made it known that they were praying for you, even when you was but a knucklehead, like my grandma used to tell me. Scott, I'm praying for you. And the way she would say it, though, Brother Jean was like, "I wish I didn't have to pray so much." Like you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. But nevertheless, nevertheless, she, she was praying. And, and she was praying very specific things, like, Lord, save him. <laughs> like, you turn him. 
right, converting, because uh, she knew, she knew my life would never be the same because she had had a conversion, right? And that's that's how we pour into people. That's how we do. She was seasoning my life with the salt of the spirit, is what she was doing. Every time I would want to go and do or something, I, I <laughs> I'll tell this little story and we'll, and we'll go on. Uh, Mama and them repoed when we were growing up. They they picked up vehicles and we spent a lot of time in, in vehicles with them. And uh, she took me and my older cousin Shelby down south somewhere. I don't remember. It was all day long. We went and staked out a car and, and all this stuff. And and uh, on the way back, we was flipping through the radio channels and found classic rock channel, right? And uh, me and my cousin was going to be slick. We told my grandma it's classical music because mama wouldn't know the difference, right? And uh, we lit for two and a half hours, it seemed like. We listened to this classic rock all the way back home, right? And we get about I don't know, five minutes from the house. <laughs> she starts asking these little probing questions like, who sang your favorite song? And, and I didn't know y'all liked classical music so much. And I want to I wanna let your parents know what y'all listening to so that maybe for Christmas or your birthday they can buy you some, some CDs of, of, these, of these people. And uh, it didn't go over real good. Really, because we were pulling up in the driveway, and she looked at us, and she said, you know, I grew up in, like, the 60s and the 70s. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do know who Aerosmith is. And, you know, and I was like, oh, no. But, it, but all those little things, right, because Momal was Momal. She didn't change. She let us do what we wanted to do. But before we got out of the vehicle, we knew what was right, and we knew what was wrong, right? I'm not, whatever, your own convictions, you listen to whatever you want to listen to. But we were being deceiving, right? It, it went way further than, than, the, than, the, than the southern classic rock. We were, we were lying when she asked us what, what classical composer is this, and we'd say Bach, you know, and it, it'd be like Motley Crue or something. And, and, you know, we're, we're, trying, we're trying to tell her it's Beethoven, and, and we're singing and smoking in the boys' room. And, and you know... Those little things I look back on, and I can I can laugh at it now. But at the same time, I'm so thankful that of the of those moments where she she was a Christian, right? And before we got out of the vehicle, guess what? We got prayed over because that's what we needed to do, right? And she didn't pray pray that God would get us and all that stuff because guess what? He he already was right. When our sin was found out, it was already something on the inside going, that wasn't right, that wasn't right, that wasn't right. Even though an hour ago I was having a time of my life, you know, getting one over with my grandma. But what she prayed was that Lord open our eyes to the truth. Lead us into righteousness. Help us to forego our, our lives of sin and bring us into the spiritual lives. And, and, you know, the, the, more she, the more she talked, you know, the lower you got, the lower you got. But, and it wasn't that day, it wasn't that month or that year, it was years down the road. Matter of fact, it was two years after she was gone to be with the Lord and, and I was saved. But it's moments like that that poured into me that seasoned my life to get me to where I am today. And that's, that's really what we need to be. You know, just a little bit too much salt and it's too salty. You know, I want to look at Ethan and he's a knucklehead. And I want to, I want to just pour it into him right now, when when really all it takes is a nudge, 
a shove in the right way, a prayer, right? A little bit of seasoning. And God will get him there. God will get him there, right? When I want to just cut the top off and pour it in the wound, right? But that we can't be like that. We really can't. We turn a lot of people off to the things of the Lord because we oversalt. We oversalt. Can't stuff it down. Can't stuff it down. That's it. We can, we can lead and direct them, and we can season them, right? But we have to remember, hey, here's a good thing, right? We're following a recipe, right? You want to talk about, talk about food and stuff? Well, we're, we're not the chef in this. We're, we're a sous chef. We're a preparer. Right? We're following a recipe, and God has just the right amount of pinch of salt for every situation. That as long as we follow the spirit and the discernment, and we season when we're supposed to, and we don't season when we're supposed to because it's not my time to season. Brother Matt's going to talk to the same person tomorrow, and that will be ready for seasoning. The discernment, walking in the spirit, worshiping in spirit and truth, being connected being just as Christ and the Father is, that's how we're supposed to be with Christ. When he said, you want to see the Father, his disciples said, show us the Father. He said, you want to see the Father? I've been with you how long? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Me and the Father are one. It should be the same way in our life. Whenever somebody sees us and we have an opportunity to talk and they say, show us Christ, you, you should be able to say, absolutely. Can you not, like, you don't see what's happening right here? Like, Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. And be able to back that up. Not everybody can say that. They really can't. Paul was uh, he was a special breed, but we're supposed to strive to be the same way. right? And many, many, many have said it throughout the years, and it's true. The world doesn't read the Bible. They read us. They read us. God gets them, and then they read the Bible. <laughs> right? And even if they read the Bible before conversion, the Bible says what? They can't understand it. Right. But they can see us. Right? And little by little, little by little, the truth is revealed. So be flavoring, but be the right amount of flavor. Be the right amount of flavor. We're intended to spread throughout the world and enhance it, adding flavor to things uh, that were bland, right? Drawing out the blessings for wherever it's good. When Paul tells us to ensure that our speech is seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person that's in Colossians 4 and 6 that's exactly what we're talking about don't open your mouth unless you know you have the words to say right and and you may not have the words to say but know when to open your mouth the spirit will give you the words to say but know when it's time know when it's time walk in discernment that's the two truths of this Bible that that God's at work and we're responsible for our part as well, right? And, and my part is to know when God's telling me to and to not, <laughs> right? And that is, it's made clear. And it takes time. That, that, that really does. It takes time to understand and discern the things of God. And we have to exercise that. That's what the Bible talks about, exercising our faith, right? Exercising the things of God. I can't discern something if I've never stopped to ponder and, and actually try and figure it out. Right? Figure it out. <clears throat> so the second one, preserving. Preserving. Salt was basically ancient refrigeration. All right? That's, that's what it was. And we say ancient, but it really isn't that far back in our past where maybe some of our grandparents or, 
or like me, great grandparents were pickling and and salting meat and and, and things like that. Uh, salt is a great preserver, a great preserver. They used it just like we would use our refrigerator, right? That we would use our refrigerator. If you want to stop meat or fish from decaying, you rub salt in it, and it was edible for longer, right? It was edible for longer. You know, I, I Yes. But it would last for two years. Yeah, they'd make a bunch of stews because they'd have to boil it for hours and hours to get it edible again. But when they finally could eat it, it was good. It was fine. They didn't have to add no salt either. But <laughs> but yeah, we used to like we used to export like we used to export meat in barrels, and it would go it would go months across the ocean. Right and and meat from from across the ocean would go months and, and come back and forth and and it was fine right it was good. Salt is a great preserver. You you can preserve meat a lot longer in salt than you can in water. Well, it's just like you know when I was coming up and even after I was grown, you know, I I salt my meat down and and then smoke it, you know, in the smokehouse. Uh-huh. Now that meat that would before refrigeration, before we had electricity and hanging in the smokehouse, and in July and August, and like, we still had bacon in the smokehouse, you know? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's fine. And it might get a See, little, and that's crazy to me. Well, like it is. if it comes a damp spell, a rainy day or two, you put a little bit of smoke on it just to kill the bacteria and whatever. But if it does <laughs> get a little mold on it, you wipe it off. And ain't nothing. That mold that comes on that meat won't hurt you. Yeah, a little penicillin. What's yeah. wrong with that? See, that's just crazy to me. That's crazy to me. But but it's di- look, it's different times. It's, that's something that is really that's that's went downhill quick. Uh, if if I lost my refrigerator and there was no more refrigerators, I'd have to I'd have to know a brother Gene to to get me some bacon, <laughs> right? Right. But we do have those still. It's a process. Yeah, but be thinking spiritual too. Be be spiritual too. Uh, we need spiritual elders, right? God is God has set up this process to where the this generation is raising up this next generation that's raising up the next generation, right? And we need to be looking for that that we're preserving this next generation. All this, all these things that we do with these youths that are a headache a lot of times. I'm I'm thankful every day of every headache that we have with every youth that we have because one. They need to have a place to go that is that is a sanctuary, literally, right? That is a place of love and, and compassion and a place to go. But that's literally our next generation. If we don't if we don't pour into our children today, the church tomorrow is going to suffer. That's just part of it. There will be a church. Well, I'm not saying that the church is going to not exist, but oh my lord, what a what a travesty it would be. What a travesty it would be to go into eternity knowing I didn't do anything to preserve this next generation. The Bible says I'm going to be judged by that. We have a, bu- we have a business to be here or, or we would be with our Lord. <laughs> really, we would be with Him. So uh, this is the reason why salt is, is so valuable. It's so valuable. 
because of its great preserver. Here's a little aside. The Roman soldiers were sometimes paid in salt, right? That's actually where we get our term, our term salary from. It's, it's, they were paid in salt. Yeah, cool stuff, right? <clears throat> Disciples of Jesus, in this sense, are sent into the world to keep it from decay. We, I was dead in my sin, right? You can't get no more decaying than that. I was worm food spiritually, headed for hell, right? Through salvation, I've been rejuvenated. I've been brought to life, right? We, why do we witness? Why do we evangelize? Why do we go out into this world and live our life out among this world? Is because through God's sovereignty, he's chose to use his church to reach this world, right? So we are preserving this next generation. We're vessels. We're vessels being used for this next generation. Salt doesn't just savor, it saves. It saves. Right? Number three, sacrificing. Now, this is one we probably don't know a lot about. I learned a little bit more. I knew a little bit. But sacrificing. <clears throat> Salt was used throughout Jewish history in their sacrifices. It's actually set up in the law in Leviticus. Uh, Leviticus 2 and 13 uh, actually says this, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offerings. With all your offerings you shall offer salt. So that's three times one sentence where he says, You better put salt on it. Right? It was very important. And, and that's, not the, that's not the only the only sacrifice, but that was a for instance there in Leviticus 2 and 13. Perhaps because it, it, it flavors food, it keeps meat from going bad, salt was a necessary part of the Israelite sacrifices. Um, many scholars even say, and I'm prone to believe it as well, that it was, it was another symbolism of preservation, right, of, of, of a Messiah to come, that salt preserves the meat, and we're going to put it in the sacrifice because it's symbolizing that God, through Abraham's seed, through that covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that there is one coming who is going to preserve. Salvation would come through that covenant. Uh, it, it represents God's covenant with them. Disciples, okay, back to us, we're, we're like salt in this sense too. The world is, is the altar, Right? We are the sacrifice to God. <laughs> we are we are it. Uh, all of creation is is the sacrifice. Everything brings glory to God is what the Bible says, right? That's what the sacrifices were were to do was to bring honor and glory glory to God. Uh, humanity and the world we're we're the offering we're the offering, uh, and we offer ourselves in obedience. Suffering, our self-sacrifice, laying aside ourselves, picking up our cross, following after Christ. All of this is an offering to God. It truly is. Your life is an offering to God. Everything that you do is supposed to be honoring to God. Everything that you do. When you pay your bill, <laughs> when you pay that Clico, Clico bill, and you don't 
go into bouts of depression and, 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 and a cussing fit, right? That brings glory to God. It really does, right? When you walk into a flooded house and, and you just kind of giggle and laugh and go, okay, Lord, you'll get, you'll get us through this too, right? That brings glory to God. It really does. When I met that man Monday on Labor Day, and, and I, don't, I don't know his soul. I really don't. He was happy. It was time and a half. He, he was on call, you know. But uh, I'm walking around, and I'm showing him stuff, all that things, and he's like, well, it's going to be okay, sir. It's going to be all right. I said, yeah, it's going to be all right. It's fine. It's good. He just kind of cocked his head. It's like, okay, see you later. <laughs> you know, like, my house was destroyed, whatever. It, look, God gave me that house when I needed it, okay? He's, he's going to get rid of the house when I need to get rid of it, right? We'll put it that way. I, not the way I want to do it, but... It's the way we're doing it, nevertheless. I'm not going to dishonor God because something else has happened in my life, right? If, if nothing ever happened in our lives, we wouldn't have opportunities to glory God. We, we, we just really wouldn't. If everything was always good, well, then just, everything's good. Why do I need God? It's in the times of sufferings when you realize how, how close God is and how much I really do need I really do need uh, sacrifices. Yep. Number four. For judgment or destruction. This is a little less appealing, right? But the Bible does talk about it, so, so we're going to talk about it too. Uh, we can't get away from it. There's more scriptural references to salt being used in judgment or destruction than any other purpose. You look through the 45 times the Bible talks about salt, a good majority of them in the Old Testament is uh, used for destruction, used for judgment, okay? Used for judgment. <clears throat> in Genesis 19 and 26, when Lot's, wife, when Lot's wife is told to run and don't look back, and she looks back towards Sodom, what happens? Pillar of salt, right? Pillar of salt. Moses warns the Israelites that if they break God's covenant, their land will be burned out with brimstone and salt. Nothing sown, nothing growing, where no plant can sprout. That's in Deuteronomy 29 and 33, or 23, I'm sorry. When Gideon's son, Abimelech, tries to set himself up as king of Israel, the men of Sheshem rebel against him and... He responds by raising the cities and sowing it with salt. It's in Judges 9 and 45. The psalmist describes uh, God turning a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of the inhabitants. That's Psalm 107. Okay? Jesus himself, in one of the most furious uh, judgment paragraphs in the Gospels, that's Mark 9, 49. We're not going to get real deep into that because Sunday mornings we're going to get in that pretty quick. Uh, it simply says this, everyone will be salted with fire. <laughs> right? So that's a term used, salted with fire. That's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. <clears throat> There's a sense in which the disciples have the same purpose. So Bear with me here. We've, there's like 
dozens of scriptures that tell us we're not supposed to judge. That's God's business, right? But literally, you're a vessel used for God's honor and God's wrath, right? The very fact that the church is still on this earth is a sign of judgment to those who reject Christ, okay? that's, That's literally what it is. For those who have an ear to hear and an eye to see, they become the church. For those who do not have ears and do not have eyes and choose to reject Christ, even in the face of everything that God has given us, right? The, the very existence of the church is a judgment towards them. It, it really is. I'm not doing the judging. God's doing the judging. I'm just living my life as a Christian. But what does the Bible say? That when we act with Christian characteristics in the face of opposition, when people come up against us, what, that we heap coals on their head, right? And that ain't me doing that. I'm not shoveling. But that's, that's God taking care of business. And unfortunately, for a good majority of this world, judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. And every time that you witness to somebody and they reject that witness, that's not a judgment on you. It's a judgment towards them. The Bible says that they're actually heaping up judgments towards them. That their, their first sin that they ever sinned, your first sin that you ever sinned, condemned you to hell for all of eternity. Thank God for salvation. Thank God for grace and mercy. But that first sin did it, and the Bible says that they're heaping, they're heaping up Mark's sins. We're, uh, remember a couple weeks ago when you know we're not supposed to keep marks, we're not supposed to keep track. God, but God is. Everything that we do, God is keeping track. So the church, uh, in essence, is a, is judgment towards this to this world. We really are. We really are. Now again, I, I'll emphasize: don't go out there and start preaching on the street that you're you're judging people because that's not what the Bible says. Live out your life holy among unholy men, and you you heap coals on their head. You really do. You really do. God scatters Christians into the world as a way of judging evil. Is a way of judging evil. Is the whole world evil? Churches worldwide, right? If all the evil was in America, guess where all the churches would be? Right here. But it's, it's everywhere. It's a fallen world. So the churches worldwide, we've been scattered out. They were all in Jerusalem. This man called Saul of Tarsus started persecuting them. And they, all but the 12, right? The whole church scattered. And we have what we have today. Isn't that crazy? They, they wanted to stay right in. Why wouldn't they want to stay in God's chosen city? Man, this is Jerusalem. We're going to stay right here until Jesus comes back. This is where he left. We're going to stay right here, right? Mm-mm. Scattered out amongst the whole world. The whole world. <clears throat> he destroys wickedness. He, he prevents lust and greed and murder and injustice from taking root. You say, well, I don't have the, uh, the ability to do that. How, mu- how much worse would you be without God in your life? Look at the most horriblest person in this world. You think of your Hitlers and Stalins and, and, and all them people you just that bad or worse it's only by the grace of God that you're not right we have the same ability to be the worst of us just as with Christ in your life you have the ability and the power to be the best 
right? That's what we're supposed to strive to be. Number five, look at there, number five, fertilizing, fertilizing. The same salt that you can use to devastate, scorch earth, like you, you see the hole that's still being trying to cover up of grass over here? That was from our crawfish bowl, right? There's a lot of salt in that water. We pour the water out, there it is. No, I'm sorry, that was from the Boston Butts. Yeah, that was from the Boston Butts. That me and Brother Josh, I'll go ahead and admit it. We dumped it right there. Not thinking, but there ain't nothing that grows right there, right? That same salt can also be used for fertilizer. Really can be. That's why we go back to that flavor, and it's the right amount. It's the right amount, right? And the right use. It's the right use. Sodium chloride is the same, no matter how we use it, but yet it can, it can make this styrofoam cup, or it can make the deodorant that goes underneath my underneath my, my armpits, or it can be used to purify this water. Same stuff, different use, different use, right? Several, 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 including us, civilizations, we've used salt as a fertilizer for the soil, soil, and depending on the conditions, it can be used to retain water, okay? It can be used to retain water, make fields easier to plow, release certain minerals from plants, kill weeds, think of what happened right there, uh, protects crops from disease, stimulates growth, and increases yields. So it, we can actually increase the amount of our crops by using salt in certain situations. I'm not a farmer, I don't know, this is what Google told me, so we're gonna go with what Google said. It's a healer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, get an abscess in your mouth. Put some salt on it. It'll, it'll increase healing. It, you Look, I'm telling you, salt is in every aspect of our life. Just as your Christianity is supposed to be the same way, you're starting to understand why Christ said be salt. Be salt, right? <clears throat> Disciples are fertilizers. We're meant to be in those places where conditions are challenging and life is hard. That's what we were talking about just a minute ago. If life was always at the top of the mountain, nothing would grow, right? Well, I hate to be stereotypical, but it's true. You look at a mountaintop, there ain't a whole lot that grows there. Most of the stuff's growing in the valley, right? Growing in the valley. It's a lot of rocks and snow and, and cool views and, and, and things like that. And a mountaintop, that's about it. Not a whole lot that grows. <clears throat> we are sent to enrich the soil, kill weeds, protect against disease, stimulate growth. We are scattered, right? As we scatter, we are scattered. That's why life begets life. That's the, the, the great pro and con of a church. A healthy church is one who brings up people into ministry and, and things like that. But the sad thing is, is those same people that you pour your whole life into generally go away because God pulls them to other, other places where they can be used, right? If we were all preachers in this church, that would be a very talkative church, <laughs> right? right? It really would be. And that's part of the reason why I'm here, right? Because I went to a church where there was like 10 of us that preached. And that's cool because God had, had called us to do that, but he, he didn't call us to do it all at the same place, right? We're scattered where we need to be scattered as we scatter. <clears throat> Use the word scatter one more time, scatter. 
barren lands become fruitful, right? This is, this is what a Christian life is supposed to be. When we pour into somebody, right? We'll use biblical terms. When we sow a seed, when somebody waters, when we see God bring the increase and in the, in the, the, the yield of the soil comes out, right? Christ, Christians are there to see all that. They really are. Not the same Christians. I may have sowed in the Ethan a year ago, and I may not see God bring the increase. That may happen somewhere else. But you better believe that there's there's a spiritual body somewhere that sees that yield, right? We need to remember that. Not all of this happens in our field, <laughs> in our field, but it does when we when we think of the larger overarching theme of Christianity is that it's not just our field. It's it's this whole world. It's this whole world. So to to wrap all this up. We are to be salt. Be able to add flavor and spiritual goodness to every situation. Every situation. Okay? Be able to preserve the gospel of Christ and witness to the world. It's literally what we're here for. Be a sacrifice and, and lay aside yourself for the cause of Christ. Be aware of your calling to both be a helpful guide to Christ to those who will hear and also know the judgment we hear a lot of good news the prosperity gospel health and wealth that come to Christ he'll give you everything it's a lot of good news right most people don't realize why they need the good news because the bad news is never presented the Bible says we needed the law to show us that we failed Right, that we need a savior. That I don't need to be saved if I don't know how bad I am. I really don't. The Bible says I can't be saved until I know that I, that I need a savior. Why would I believe in somebody that I don't need? Right? I live my life like that. It wasn't until Christ revealed Himself as Lord and Savior of my life, as Lord and Savior. Lordship, salvation is salvation. I hope the mic picked that up. There is but one salvation, and that's knowing who Lord is, and it ain't me. It's Christ, right? And, and I don't gain eternal life one way and then get to live my life another way. I get to be salt, right? Go back to verse 13. What good is salt if it loses its saltiness? It ain't good for nothing. It ain't good for nothing. It melts snow at that point. Throw it on the roads. That's all it's good for. So be salt. Amen? Question. Thank you for being in class with us today. Tune in next week as we dive back into God's Word and learn more of Him.